0: It's Bob McCowan. It's John Shannon on the uh, podcast slash radio program. Hello, Robert. For this, good morning, John. Uh, for this or afternoon, as the case may be. Um, what day is this? Wednesday. Yes, it is. I I, 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 I don't know about you, but I uh, and perhaps it's the uh, the advancing age, Alzheimer's kicking in, something. Um, holiday Mondays throw me for a loop. It takes me a few days to figure out what day of the week it is
1: and yet what what people don't know is that uh, we actually taped two shows on monday and uh, and uh, you know the producer gave you a day off yesterday
0: thank you to the producer i'll pass that on whoever that invisible entity might be what are you drinking are you drinking coffee big black coffee oh yeah
1: Can we do we have a do we have an espresso as a sponsor we don't have a coffee
0: sponsor we need a coffee sponsor. Nespresso is excellent. No, you need a coffee sponsor so that you can have your your fuel. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? None. How much tea?
0: One. Do you? Oh no, I,
1: I have to have at least five I used cups to drink more. Coffee.
0: Well, when I when we I'm did a five program, cup guy. When we did the program from um, four to seven and you experienced this, I <laughs> I often would have two or three mugs of tea an hour, an hour. Well, yeah, I know. And, and there would always be this during the commercial break.
1: Yeah. You tapping on your cup and. Yeah, you know, because I want tea. The, the, the service department looking after you and then them not being able to find milk and then st- stomping oh, down to the other fridge to find oh, milk. Oh, I know.
0: It was hell. It it was hell. <laughs> Everything about it was hell.
1: <laughs> Particularly the four to five hour, right?
0: Not not the not the least of which was the search for tea. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, but, did you see? Hey, listen, our listen, our buddy Gretzky. People are listening to us. Yeah. Going to Turner today.
0: Yeah. They announced and, it today. And I guess, well, I guess I should ask you this because you hang out in Edmonton uh, a fair bit. Uh, um yes th- he he pretty much had to resign his position with the Oilers in order to accept the position with Turner right no question no question right yeah that cuz it, it would be perceived as a conflict of interest yeah and, and and it would be a conflict of interest essentially yeah right yep but i guess the question becomes did he want to get out of edmonton or not
1: no no he has a tremendous amount of loyalty to Daryl Cates and to Bob Nicholson. Um, it, it was pretty good. It, it was a pretty good situation for, for Wayne there, Bob, he didn't have to live there. Uh, he, he got, uh, got to give his counsel anytime he wanted. Uh, they would phone him up and say, please come in for a couple of days to talk about things and, and do some, you know, handshakes for us. And, uh, And uh, other than that, Wayne was uh, living wherever, whether it was at Sherwood, whether it's in St. Louis now, but uh, this was, uh, this was the thing, exact thing we talked about the day Turner got the deal is that they needed a big name and they got, uh, they got Wayne Gretzky.
0: Uh, I've seen a few articles on Wayne's decision to go there and Turner's decision to recruit him Mm -hmm. as a long time producer with, um, in it's most hungry. cases, the ability to assess talent. Will Wayne Gretzky be good at this job? Uh, well, we've we've talked about this before. Um,
1: he will be if he lets his guard down. Uh, as you know, um, and we had wait. Listen, we had waiting on what two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and and into he indicated at the end that he really didn't want to work in for a team anymore. Full time, like coach or manager, but that didn't that didn't discount television. Um, but Wayne is one of the most guarded people we've we've ever been around. Uh, in fact, I, I would tell you that he created his own language uh, that has uh, been propagated by two more generations of hockey players. You know, Sidney Crosby speaks Wayne. Connor McDavid speaks Wayne. Uh, Wayne created a uh, a non confrontational style of making it sound like he's giving a comment without giving a comment, hockey speak. And, uh, but he, but if, if you know him privately and you do, uh, Wayne has a great sense of humor. Uh, he has a really, really sharp tongue. Uh, and he has a very good analytical mind for the game of hockey as as he, which is no surprise to anybody. If he's able to do a little bit of that on the air, he will be really good, really good, because he does bring, he does bring the name to the table.
0: Well, we shall see soon enough. Um, I don't have an opinion on it, as you said. Uh, I've been around Wayne in, in social settings and and professional settings uh, many times, as you have. And we are Great aware. Great sense of humor. Well, he does, and um, but it never
1: comes out. It never comes out publicly.
0: Rarely, not yeah. never, but very, very rarely. Yeah. He is, as with many athletes, very guarded in, yeah. in his public stance. And he, like others who have succeeded in the broadcast field. Well, to- and, he,
1: he, and here's the thing. Um, one, one of the reasons he's going there is because his friend Charles Barkley convinced him of it. Yeah. And who is less guarded in, on the television uh, block no than Charles? And the answer no is no one. Right. And maybe maybe that will be part of Bark. I expect Barkley to be part of the hockey package. Uh, maybe not every week, but at certain times. I expect Charles to be part of this because he loves the game so much. So um, maybe that will help Wayne. Maybe that will relax Wayne.
0: Well, we'll find out uh, soon enough. Uh, much to discuss in terms of uh, more recent developments on the ice as, uh, and as recently as last night. Our friend Glenn Healy will join us when we continue after these messages. As a um, as a former target himself, uh, I think our guest would have the opinion that most people have, and that is that goaltending um, is what really counts in in the postseason. You can win during the regular season with mediocre goaltending. I think. I don't think you can win a Stanley Cup with mediocre goaltending. Glenn Healy joins us. Um, you're the absolute wrong person to ask this question of because of your history. But <laughs> what does that mean? What history? Well, i goaltender, Goaltenders defend goaltenders. That's what happens. It's, inev- it's an inevitability. To a goaltender, no position is more important, not just in hockey, in any sport, and probably in any endeavor in life itself. A goaltender is more important than the president of the United States.
1: You, you never heard Healy work on television. He didn't. No, defend, I, I, he he never defended anybody. Well,
0: <laughs> am I right,
1: Glenn? I'm not
2: on TV.
0: Figure that <laughs> one. That tells you about everything you need to know about him. N- not to mention you and I. So, is it a is it about goaltending? It, 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 can you can you win a Stanley Cup without without Good goaltending?
2: You know, uh, there's, there's, I guess there's two, uh, a, a tale of two cities, okay? Yep. I'll take you back to uh, when I was playing with Curtis Joseph. And Curtis and I would sit close to each other on the plane, right, side by side. I would have Corey Cross beside me. I'd be playing my electronic bagpipe chanter. Corey Cross, he had this, this war book that was about this thick that he would read, but he would only get through two pages and then fall asleep. I joke with him all the time that are you through the book yet 20 years after you retired? Are you done? (laughs) And then Curtis would read about horse racing and semen and horses and what makes a good horse. And so here we are, these two goalies, I'm playing the bagpipes he's reading about semen. And I'm thinking, do the fans know we're doing this? (laughs) They know we're doing this, but, but what would come out after we played the Ottawa senators, which were a really good team and we beat them the number of years in a row is they would have zone time. And you'd look at the back on the sheet and the Ottawa centers would have been in our zone. And I'm no exaggeration for like 43 minutes of the game. Sure. And Um. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm going, Cooch, like you were it tonight, buddy. Like, I don't know when, when he ran into uh, Magoo the referee and I thought that I might have to play. I was like, we're doomed. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so, yes, uh, that was everything for the reason we beat the Ottawa Senators. They could look at the, you know, uh, Shane Corson was checking Alexi Ashen. Really? (laughs) Bullshit. No, that's not the case, right? It was Curtis Joseph checking the whole Ottawa Senators team. He was that good. And that's why we won. Mike Richter, when we won the Cup in 94, his penalty shot save on Pavel Bure, that was a series right Mm -hmm. there. One moment in time, that was the series. And so, yes, I believe it, it is a factor. And then I'll take you back to the time when Philadelphia was playing the Chicago Blackhawks. I was going to say, and, and, and it was like, okay, first save wins. That's right. the way it was in that series. Right. You had a guy like Michael Layton, who I think he got picked up on waivers for the, the cost of a Pinto. Right. <laughs> and so like, it was dirt cheap to pick him up. And then, you know, it, it just that the goaltending wasn't that series, but I don't think in today's game that, and I all the way through, you know whether it's the, you know junior B goalie that won uh, when the Montreal Canadiens no won. no the junior B
1: goalie didn't win that was the problem,
2: like, well exactly but that whole story it, it's goaltending is the story in the playoffs so it, that
1: that 2010 uh, Stanley Cup ended up being Michael Layton versus Antti Niemi, and, and and it was just uh, last shot would win
2: right and it did. But well, no, I was more first save would win. I thought okay. would win. first <laughs> save would win. Uh, but it was uh, it was a, a kind of a, cr- a crazy series. And uh, but but you to you know especially today like you know I don't know how these guys are playing in empty buildings and there's no emotion. I I, I can remember my first game um, when he played against Calgary in the playoffs. And you know you come out of the dressing room in Calgary and it's a mm-hmm. hard left, and then it's about a forty foot walk. To a hard right. And then you, even me, Bobcat, trust me, you have to duck your head to get under. There's a... Not possible. That, that protects you from the fans throwing beer on you. And then out you go and there's the sea of red. Everybody wearing red. And I looked at it and I thought, it ain't not going to be a good first period. This, was, that, uh, was that 89 with the Kings? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Calgary won the cup, right? Was, yeah. Uh, but just that whole flavor of playoffs and just all the stuff that goes around with it and Maple Leaf Square and what what goes on with that energy so to get disinterested even as an NHL player uh it is beyond Golden it's that emotion of winning and that that grasp of where it comes out of your hand after like three days you know like hey two days ago we're looking at this Montreal Toronto series saying it's even up it's jump ball and now going Okay, go jump into the lake because you're done. It's over. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it is a different world today, just based on COVID than it was when you had the whiteout. You went to Winnipeg and just it was just an amazing, uh, amazing feat to sit there and look at this and go, wow, it's going to be tough to win in this. I,
1: I tell you what, it must be hard for um, the players on Canadian teams right now that I know they don't follow very many other series because they're in tune with what's going on in their own series. But even to go back to their hotel rooms like the Maple Leafs would have done last night or, or when they come home, they turn the TV on and see 14,000 people in Raleigh last night and it was berserk, noisy. It was crazy. I and mean, when Jordan Saul scored that overtime goal, it, it was, well, you know you know what the Caniacs are like. They're great hockey fans, those people in the building. It was It was a circus. It must be such a what what, the the, it's the ugly stepchild syndrome right now in Canada when it comes to hockey players and and playing in front of people.
2: Well, they all talk to every each other, right? This isn't the days of taking a you know a a via rail car and not sitting or talking to the other team, right? They're all buddies. They're texting everybody and they're looking at what's going on around the world in the U.S. and and thinking that could be me. And, you know, hey, there was there was a point where, you know, even a team like the Leafs, there was talk of them flying down to the Cleveland Clinic, not leaving the plane, staying on the plane, getting their vaccinations, flying back. I mean, no harm, no foul. Right. Uh, And that didn't happen. And so they have to be looking at that saying, well, how do these guys in the U.S. get it? And here we are up in Canada. We can't get it. And and if we do go to the third round, if we do go further, where are we going to play? you know, you play the game and you have a two week hiatus and quarantine people. I mean, my my poor neighbor just came back from Florida. Uh, They're in their 70s, they've both been double vaccinated and he's got three calls a day from the border making sure he's at home in his own place that he has lived. No one's lived in for, uh, the big joke is that he must be a billionaire. He has to be because a millionaire shovels his driveway and cuts his grass, me so gotta be a billionaire uh, but you know like they have to be thinking the same thing that we think as we put our our jeans on every day or like bobcat does when he fakes with his halliburton dinner jacket and pretends he's dressing up for our show so
0: oh i didn't dress up for the show i dressed up for you healy i didn't know you I, I didn't know you'd look like a like a, a gardener today
1: usually it's pajamas Glenn. usually
0: it's pajamas a- am i can i can i uh, uh, inject something a- am i nuts do we spend most of the regular season talking about the, the relative merit of each team's forwards and defense and the conversation about goaltending doesn't really arrive until the playoffs do is, is that perception real or not? Am I the only one who thinks that?
2: I, I think you have to ask Johnny that because, you know, when he worked in TV, he never hired anyone smart enough to actually talk about that position. So everyone who was on TV was too stupid to talk about goaltending.
1: All I did was hire goaltenders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look look at my resume of who did you hire. Uh, it goes back to 1984, and it was John Davidson. Then it was uh, Kelly Rudy. Then it was Greg Millen. And then you know, one day at Maple Leaf Gardens, the Maple Leafs are coming off the ice. Uh, after a practice and this little squat goaltenders in line with all his other teammates and he, and he then he he goes to the door and looks left and makes a beeline for me and he says you're john shannon i said yeah he says i want to work jd said you'd, you'd hire me oh, okay glenn uh, how are you doing sir uh, so so glenn got hired so i mean all i've done all my life is hire
2: goaltenders he gave me such great advice too bobcat like i remember the very first show i did I was injured. I was with the New York Islanders and I had severed a finger. So that's a, that's a really good injury. You can come back from that. No, no problem. Right. Uh, yeah. Finger uh, Steve Thomas, um, who I love to death uh, shot, took the top of my finger off. They took it out of my glove, put it in a cup and I went to NYU to get it sewed back on. Okay. That was fine. Uh, no playoffs, no rest of the season. Johnny hires me. And I uh, first day I'm on the set at the CBC. Remember we were in the atrium. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And,
2: uh, Ron McLean and myself. And I'm waiting for these pearls of wisdom, right? Like, okay, I don't know how to do TV. So John Shannon's going to tell me how to do TV. Right. <laughs> and so I've got a headset on and that's, that's tough as you know, right. Someone talking as you're talking. And so I'm making my point and i can hear this voice from the back you know kind of behind the curtain you know wizard of oz and he says to me Sit the f up oh <laughs> there we go there's my words of wisdom
0: well
2: you were kind you, least, you were kind of yeah at five foot seven when you're hunched
1: over you can barely be seen over the table
2: yeah <laughs> uh, and then i had my very first game with hockey in canada that i was going to do where i was going to be a an actual broadcaster in the booth. I was doing it with a great Don Whitman, right? Oh, sure. Oh, fantastic. And so they've got this big ceremony going on at Edmonton and I've got the can off and i set it down and I'm just enjoying all of this. And then finally, at one point, Don Whitman pushes the mute button and says, hey, stupid, put your headset on. Canada can't hear you without that. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> so I put it back on. First whistle, up come the lines. Remember, Johnny, we used to put yeah. the lines up. Yes, yeah. Curry, all the, the whole lines, and so okay, here we go. The Edmonton lines, and and the, boom, it was off like that because TV happens fast. I said, well, that was a waste of time, unless you were a speed reader. And so just wait because the next whistle, we're going to waste more of your time and put Calgary's lines up. And and then uh, he wonders why he's not on TV anymore. You know, executive <laughs> producer called me. Goes, you can't say that. I said, well, I did say that. So what am I going to do now? Right, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't think we put the lines up since that.
1: Oh, I don't know. Hey, so now that we're on the topic of television, Bob and I talked about, before you came on, about uh, Wayne signing with Turner. And uh, you know Wayne very well. Uh, you've, you've seen Wayne in fine form. I, I don't think there's a, a, a faster mind about the game. I think he's got a great wit. Uh, I think he's very analytical. The public's never seen that. Uh, what would your advice be to Wayne?
2: The well, one thing that uh, strikes me, I mean, other than he's, he's my number one client, right. Cause for the alumni, right. Yeah. He, he's if I don't have baby Jesus and forget about Christmas morning and he's gotta be in the manger. I'm just <laughs> saying uh, loud. Okay. Right. Uh, but Gratz remembers everything. Sure. He does. Oh, he would sit back on the, and, and, and he would never play cards with the big boys on the front the plane those are the guys playing for big money and and then we had our little group with Adam Graves and Doug Lister and Pat Flatley like the we're like the poor group we were playing Euchre I, I, just, I don't even know how to play it anymore we played it so much but we were playing for like a buck a hand or something and Gretz would sit kind of beside us and then it, it, no one would sit beside him because you we were intimidated by Wayne except Darren Langdon you know, Darren Langdon from Deer Lake, Newfoundland, he'd walk up and go, move your feet, you stupid, you know, and there was a bunch of swear words and he would <laughs> sit down beside him. And, and Gretz would go into stuff where he could remember, so it was the second period, shots were like 12-2, uh, Curry, he hadn't scored in three games, and he would just go down this list of just a, a memory bank that, and I'd be thinking, I don't even know what I have for dinner after the game. Like, this, this is like six hours later and I can't remember, but he would remember everything. He is a He's a historian of the game. He's right. got incredible knowledge. He, he loves the sport. He is, I, I think it's the, a breath of fresh air for them. I really believe that it's, it's time for us, like they've done in basketball when Shaq was on and, and all these big players took part in the broadcast and you sat back and said, were you really gonna discount the guy who's got every record in hockey and say he's wrong? Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, now get in line, not a chance. He, he's he's gonna bring an incredible breath of fresh air, I think, to the US market and tell stories. Everybody has a story. Wayne had a story. You go into his dad's basement. There, there's a story right there, right? The entire basement is full of it. And he'll be able to tell that. And I don't care about coaching matchups. Right. I care about good stick in the lane. And I don't, I couldn't care less. Thank you. Or I Thank guy, you. Like you, I push mute and go tell me the story about these guys and how they got there and, and why they got there and what, what they're all about. You know, the intangible side of the ledger for Gretz, right? Not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, not the hardest shot, not all that stuff, but the greatest player ever to play the game. And when he came to LA and we were wearing yellow sweaters, I have it right here to my left. I can pull it down if you want. No, and uh, no,
1: no, no, Okay, fine.
2: Um <laughs> But when he came to L.A., we went from just a mediocre team that could beat everybody up to one of the best teams in the NHL. And I think he'll take that broadcast there. And I think U.S. market is ready for it. Uh, I, I am done with the guy between the benches telling me where players are from and where they play junior. I don't care. Me too. Care so I guess we went from the hair being departed to now we got Gretz who's parted. So we're, we're in a much better space. And you can Glenn, read between the lines with all that stuff.
0: Uh Glenn Healy is with us. We're gonna take a break. and We'll come back and uh chat some more about can we
1: speak there, Bob. I don't think we spoke. I think we just listened.
0: I, I don't remember even starting the show. Yeah, I'll
2: give you an award. Here we go. It's the kick it up award.
0: John. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh Glenn Healy. Uh when we come back after these messages. Bob McCowan, John Shannon. I can't shut up the other two. Uh Glenn Healy is with us as well. Uh the um Chief executive officer, president, and bottle washer for the NHL alumni, who has been sucking up to Gretzky in the whole the whole show. Um, well, hold on. I, he, we, we had Wayne on two weeks ago. You were pretty sucky-uppy, too. I didn't suck up at all. Oh, since since Gretzky, since Gretzky lost his golf tournament. Yeah. You don't care about him. I got nothing to do with him. No, I couldn't care less.
1: Okay. Well, when, when, he starts his golf tournament, what is he he going to do
0: for me? What's he going to do for you? If he can't invite me up to Collingwood for the weekend,
1: when he starts his golf tournament again, where uh, he's going to get a reminder of this conversation.
0: Well, uh, he, he belongs to a pretty, uh, fancy golf course out in uh, California. I'm sure Healy you've been invited out there. Have you?
2: I in fact have yes I was yeah. Thinking- well,
0: who by the way who hasn't? <laughs> Ladies and who gentlemen, hasn't? boys and girls.
1: Yeah, by that was Mister McCowan putting both hands and his
0: feet in the air. So now mind you, I never I, I reciprocated because I never invited them up to
2: Goodwood. I don't think Wayne cares, but but when they get a clubhouse, maybe and a toilet, maybe you can invite <laughs> them up and he can have a glass of water. There them.
0: is there is a washroom in the barn glenn
2: oh okay well fantastic wow and there's
0: lots of water there's lots of water too
2: and uh drink it it was a
0: it. do whatever you want it's it comes in a little plastic uh, cup can we talk about winnipeg and edmonton because i mean there was a sort of a segue there because we we're chatting earlier about edmonton Well, okay I, I, before there.
1: before we do that i want to yeah. ask i want to ask glenn about uh everybody's made makes lots about the toronto montreal rivalry is it the best rivalry you've ever been in was toronto montreal better than
2: rangers islanders no, the Rangers-Islanders was, was beyond even imagination for me. The very first game I, I, I played, I sitting in the, the locker room beside my good buddy, Pat Flatley, and, and it's the only time we actually got to sit beside each other and he wasn't drinking. So we actually made sense, right? And uh, I maybe mean, it was the opposite. He, was, he could say the same thing about me, um, but uh, I could hear this thumping noise in the building. I was like, what are they doing? A construction for the game? He goes, no, they're, that's the fans. Fans are in the building and uh we would come out and it would be packed for warm-up and and then we go to msg you know one of the best buildings in the planet and there would be those two guys one wore number 19 with his islander sweater brian trotche one had number 40 i don't know who that was but and they would stand up in the blue uh zone right where where the blues uh, in the end blues yep yep and they would stand back to back 1940 and they would be chased out of the building by 30 people. Uh, it was just the most amazing experience uh, to be part of, right? That, And to this day, they still chant. There's a little whistle. It's pot van sucks. They do it at concerts. They do it at baseball games, all from the hit on Anders Hedberg. And, and Denny will tell you that was a clean hit, Glenn. I didn't do anything wrong there. I mean, Granted, I, I put him into a, a hospital, but I was a clean head. So uh, But that that rivalry was just was something special. Uh, Islander fans will tell you that there are Islander fans because they couldn't get Ranger tickets. Right. Right? So I'm an yeah. Islander fan. And when I retired, and uh, our bus driver for the Islanders, for all those years I played there, he was down in Florida. He was retired. He pulled me aside at a Tampa Bay game and told me, I got to tell you this. I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time. I hate the Islanders. I was always a Ranger fan. He was our bus driver. <laughs> so uh, but but Toronto, Montreal, I mean, historically, that goes way back. Sure. But but you know, you're 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 talking 60-70 lore where the Islander Rangers is is real today.
0: Well, while Shannon sits there and contemplates his naval, I will say this. You're, I, the I, you're the host. You're the host. Well, you interrupted me, and to ask you instead of the the uh, talking about the Winnipeg Edmonton series, which was a segue from us, us discussing Gretzky, you immediately moved to Toronto Montreal, and the rivalry that isn't nearly what it once was, which is my opinion. Um, and Haley, what a great
1: you, what what a great conclusion we came to there. Then,
0: well, Healy, do you agree that the Toronto Montreal rivalry historically is relatively insignificant?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say insignificant. No. Uh, because I wouldn't say that insignificant means it doesn't matter. It matters. Like, gosh, you know, you look, does it
0: matter to the players? Do the players feel that uh, the way you, you talked about Islanders Rangers. We could talk about Calgary Edmonton. I think those rivalries are tangible. I just don't think Toronto Montreal holds much weight anymore.
2: Yeah. I guess you'd have to be a real historian, right? So if we go way back, yeah. Montreal Canadians, they had three center icemen for 16 years, right? You had Baxter, yeah. you had Beliveau, um, And you had Richard. And you had Richard.
1: Honor okay. Richard. Honor Richard, yeah. yeah.
2: So um th- then there was this little guy playing in, and uh, I'll, I always mispronounce this, Rowan Noranda, whatever it may be. Yeah, right? yeah. And he wore number 14. And the Montreal Canadiens back then in the draft, they would have had the rights to that team and that player. Right. That player was Dave Keon. So the Montreal Canadiens, okay. He, he's going to be their fourth iceman. No, Toronto Maple Leafs bought the team so that they could draft Davy Keon to be the greatest Maple Leaf ever. I, so, like, if you're looking in those historical terms, <clears throat> yes, so it, like, this rivalry totally matters. But the fact they haven't played together in 42 years, would it be different, Bobcat, if you're watching at the Bell Centre and, and Johnny knows... Uh, you you wouldn't go on the road, but we did. And that building is full, and mm. the city is full, and the restaurants are full, and the streets are full, and it becomes the rival we that we all dream about. It we would be a, a different narrative for sure. And when they come back to Toronto at Maple Leaf Square, when it's jammed, and the restaurants are like it's just it's a different story than no. uh, you look at a bunch of signs around the rink and a game that just happens. And you don't really know many of the players because okay, now I'm going to tune in because it's Toronto Montreal and I should pay attention.
1: The biggest, the biggest frustration is, is that over the over the years, rarely have the two teams been good at the same time. Yeah, that's one of the challenges. I mean, well,
0: just as rarely have either has either team been good.
1: Well, I I mean I think the last I mean 93. 93 was the that's a long team.
0: time ago, pal. I know.
1: I know 93 was the last chance they could have played in the Stanley Cup final. And again, you know, Gretzky, why, why did, Gretzky why, interfered with that one. So
2: why did I not get a ring? I mean, cause we beat Pittsburgh that year with the Islanders. If Pittsburgh went on to play, <laughs> yeah. Manians, they would have throttled them, throttled them, you yeah. know, Jagger and Lemieux and Francis and those guys would have taken down that team. Instead, we walked in with, you know, a bunch of guys from the Islanders uh, I, there was not one of us is in the hall of fame, right? We're all in the hall of shame and we went wow. to Montreal and I looked 200 feet down the ice and there's Patrick Waugh. I'm like, Oh, I guess I can't make a mistake tonight because he's not going to make one. Uh, but if the, the, the big joke was there was two parades when we beat the Island or the Pittsburgh Penguins in, in overtime with David Bullock scoring a goal, they had a parade that night because they had to play us. And it was like, wow, punch your ticket to the finals. And that's exactly what it was. But, you know, it you, you make great points. There there hasn't really been a dominant team on either side. And arguably, the, the most dominant team would have been the years we played in Toronto, where we were that's that, right. this close to getting to the Stanley Cup final. We could have had New Jersey.
1: And Montreal was struggling at that point. Montreal really struggled
2: yeah. those years. Could have beat them. Like, their Buffalo. They had no Dominic Hassock. You know, they, they lose to Dallas. Could we have beat Dallas in the Stanley Cup final? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but we didn't quite get to the dance. And what it could have, should have is just not the way I, I want to live my life.
0: So, well, let's let's address Winnipeg-Edmonton.
2: Oh, Surprise, okay. shocked, or, or yet, okay.
0: moderately, uh, or did you expect Winnipeg to be able to bounce back from that late regular season slump and wipe out the Edmonton Oilers?
2: Well, to me, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have been building for many, many years. Kevin Cheveldayoff, arguably one of the w- worst defensemen that I played with. Uh, remember that scene from uh, Fugitive where Harrison Ford leaves the bus and he's no. trying to run with leg shackles? That was the way Chevy skated, okay? So, But he became a great uh, general manager and assistant general manager sure. and executive in the game. He learned from you know, the best in Bill Torrey. And he's been building this for a long time. And his, his, his thought process is, yes, it can be a great ascent, right? You want to take off fast, but I tell you what, the descent is going to be incredibly fast as well. So he's put these pieces together and it's taken him a while and he's gotten rid of the pieces he doesn't like. And I'm not surprised by it because they're a darn good team, but they just don't get... And this is John Shannon's fault. They would never put Winnipeg on on a Saturday night, a hockey night in Canada. It was always Toronto, Montreal that series we talked about. Of course, yeah. And so if we had seen them every Saturday at seven o'clock, you would think different of this team than you probably looked at. And and even when you look at that series, you probably don't look at that that team the the, the way you should. They're a darn good team. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when you start talking like Vesna and championship trophies in our game and these guys are winning them or they're up for them and the the club hey we did the first game back in Winnipeg when the Jets came back yeah I was between the benches and the fans were there right before warm-up and I, I recall referees came on the ice and the fans gave the referees a standing ovation (laughs) <laughs> who gives a referee a standing ovation we don't even need you good go away and uh, and then when the team came out and there was a lady sitting right behind me no idea who she was crying her eyes out right she was back they are a great fan base and chevy's done a great job they're a great team they really are and so and that's no disrespect to edmonton who have the best player in the game so no no disrespect in any way
0: well wow. Um, it it was quite shocking, given the way Winnipeg played late in the year. The fact that Edmonton blew by them, and uh, no less surprising was that uh, the way Edmonton played the last six weeks of the regular sure. season. Yeah. They played really, really well.
2: Yeah, but this year, you know, like honestly,
0: it, do you really think you really think this is an aberration?
2: Yes, this is absolutely. I mean, gosh, to go into Winnipeg and to play a game with their fans is intimidating. Of course. To go into Montreal and play with their fans is intimidating. To go in and play amongst a bunch of rink boards and banners, and then you're doing this now. Uh, like I, I, I mean, I'll give these players full credit. It's two
1: years now, Glenn.
2: Two. That's what I'm saying. To put what they did last year in a bubble. Okay, the, the Royal York is a great hotel. Like, really, <laughs> what, what which restaurant do you want to eat at? Subway or uh, the little <laughs> place downstairs where you can go buy tinker toys. They like, could use
1: DoorDash. They could yeah. have used DoorDash.
2: There we go. So <laughs> go. like that was hard. And then to do it. Okay. We're going to give you a three hour break and we're going to do it all again. And we're going to play 56 games in 12 days. And I'm, I, and I say this facetiously, it's sure. not, but it it's, it's been a hard road for these guys to do this. I give them all the credit in the world and I give Gary uh, Bettman and Bill Daly credit and Don fear, for pulling this off i never thought they'd pull it off and i would imagine there's a bunch of owners that say i wish we didn't pull this off Mm because i want fans in the crowd like we had in carolina last night and but they pulled it off and it's it is emotionally hard to get charged up to play like you would normally play when you have your customary season right which is we're going to skate in july and august and we're going to go to camp in september and play our eight stupid exhibition games where we're going to go out and just waste a bunch of time and, and put a b- bunch of money for revenue sharing into the kitty. And then let's get at it. And then look forward to that start of the NHL playoffs when everything matters and it's all on the line. It's yeah. emotionally different journey than these guys have ever been on.
1: By the way, I, I think Winnipeg can beat Toronto. I think they can. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that's, they they they're gonna, they're gonna ma- they match up very well against the Maple Leafs.
2: Two days ago, Montreal thought that. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, really, it's it, that's that's the two week war, right? You just yeah. never know uh, the emotion that's going to happen in in you know it's gone like sands in your hand in two days.
0: Well, you can make the argument that the, the 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 skaters particularly, they're well, the forwards specifically, the skaters in general for Toronto are better than than Winnipeg's skaters. Really? You, I think so. And you could... Mm. I, I think overall, yes. Not by a lot, but by a little. Goaltending was going to... Was, was, as it always is, going to be the difference maker. But Campbell has changed, for me, the perception of this these matchups. I, even against Carey Price. He's... He's been good and he's been good for so long, night after night, after night, after night with very few bumps in the road. I think it's an extraordinary story that we're just kind of partway through heels. You're nodding.
2: Well, I, I want to know his story. Would somebody please tell me his story? Like where like, did this guy just come down from Mars and we didn't know who he was. Was he traded for 13 guys in junior and we don't know who he was. And where was he, like, in some time capsule, and he just appeared out of nowhere? I, I do w- – what I love about him is it, it's, it's that attitude, right? He makes a save, and if he's not tapping every defenseman who's in front of him right. to defend him, it, it's incredible to see that, right? He's got this – you know, he's not giving you the the, the Greg Millen stare. <laughs> you know, when a goal goes in, he's like, you're in my way. Get out of <laughs> yeah. my way, we <laughs> would uh, laugh about that because he go. He's not giving you the Glenn Healy stare because Ed Case Healy when I played. Uh, but uh, honestly, he just seems like this. You know, I, hey, nothing. It's like a duck. Nothing on bugs him. Right? Comes off. Yeah. But,
1: and, and I I have never heard more stories uh, about the relationship of a goaltender with his teammates. In the, uh, than in the last six to eight weeks with Jack Campbell and his Maple Leaf teammates. I haven't. You know, it's it's amazing how that whole storyline of he really likes them and they really appreciate him has, has come to come to the fore.
2: Yeah. And, you know, hey, we're all, we're pundits, right? We're waiting for the wheels to just fall off the cart. And then there we go. We got him. Yeah, no experience, no this, no that, no. And you know what? He just carries on each day and, and makes you believe. Lovely. He, can, he can He's paid it. his
1: dues after, after being a first round draft pick Glenn and he got knocked off the mountain and he had to rebuild himself. You know, he had to go all the way back to uh, go back to whatever professional leagues existed. And then ended up going, living in, living in, uh, uh, 50 miles from the, from the Staples center, uh, wanting to play in the national hockey league, playing in Ontario, California.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you got to believe her in me because I'm a guy from Pickering, Ontario that lived 50 feet from the nuclear power plant with eight reactors. Never got drafted in any league. So, I mean, when I see these guys make it, I mean, first round pick. Oh gosh, you're you're spoon fed. Uh, I I love those stories, and I'm and I'm glad to see he's doing well. Glad to see the team's doing well, and like that 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 to me is heartfelt. That's that's a great story.
0: You ever go back to that little arena in Pickering uh, yeah. that has your jersey up? What's the name of that arena?
2: Don Beer. Don yeah. Beer, that's right. Yep, yeah. yeah. it was world famous. Uh, we would uh, we would play there, and uh, I always wondered, like, why, why all the dads love to drink Coke? Like, why do they love to drink Coke? You know, man, my dad's up there in the stands, and he's got this big glass of Coke, and that's, that must be the best Coke in the planet. Until I bumped up well, another dad, and i didn't realize he was a mobile liquor store it was like he he had he had the
0: he had the other bottle
2: (laughs) then when we got a little bit older right and we were playing and your dad didn't have to watch you in practice and you know tie your skates and do all those things uh across the street was a a spot of ill repute called the caballero yes you could watch a couple you know hey there was there was there was dancing music and there was a little bit of dancing. Yeah. And I feel oh gosh, the parents aren't in the stands anymore. Where did they go? Yeah, oh. they were over at the Cavalero. Here we go. But uh, so,
0: uh
2: photos up, up there, Bob. We You gotta go. Okay. And quick. I cut my hair with a with 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 a, a ruler. So it's still there. Go to the beer Arena, Caballero at my job.
0: <laughs> uh, had a had a, a young one who used to play there so I used to go a lot and I always used to uh, look up at that jersey of uh, that is hanging in the lobby there of you and wonder boy they really haven't had very many good players come through here um, right. Healy we love you you know that and uh, we thank you very much for taking some uh, time for us and we uh, hope you'll do it again down the road stay safe and healthy okay
2: yeah um, we're, we're at the finish line here we go last lap in the Coliseum for the Healy family so we're good
0: Glenn Healy, back to wrap it after this. It's McCowan, it's Shannon, and our thanks again to uh, Glenn Healy. Never a dull dull moment when he's on. Is there? Oh, we were. I think we were supposed to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we were. Well, you know, I, I mean, I I love Healy, and I I will say this. I know that more than a few people have lost their jobs um, since. Rogers and Sportsnet lost their minds, but none, I don't know that there was one that was more shocking than Glenn Healy. Um, he was, I mean, for me, the reason to watch and to listen, um, I, I, I loved his humor and I loved his quips and I loved the fact that he didn't take himself or the game that seriously. And, um, I I I couldn't understand them not renewing him, um, but I guess no, no, they didn't renew him; they dismissed him. Well, they dismissed him, and it wasn't for cause, was it? To the best of your knowledge, no, 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 no. It was it was for cost,
1: yeah. cost, cost cutting. It's um- really it, 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 he was he was at. I'll tell you what, he and there, it, he was he was polarizing. Lots of people didn't like him. Yeah, and you can respect that. Yeah, um, but but he made you think, and that was why I, that's why I loved Glenn Healy as a broadcaster. He made you think. He could entertain you. He could uh, anger you. He, he could do lots of stuff. But at the end of the night, uh, did he make uh, the broadcast better? And the answer is every time he did.
0: Every time he made the broadcast better. Well, what, what makes a broadcaster attractive, good, um, memorable, um, to, for most it's opinion, a uh, willingness to express a point of view that may not be popular, um, and accept the consequences of presenting that view. Uh, yeah. And I if- think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Yeah. And, and, um, I mean, obviously Don Cherry is, you know, you don't have to say much more about, about what he did, whether you agree with it or not, but Healy was very much like that too. And I, um, I, 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 I know I always perked up consciously or subconsciously my perked up when I heard Healy's voice jump in because I thought, well, I better pay attention to this because this is going to be something interesting. And almost every time it was anyway, our thanks to, uh, to heels for joining us and he'll, he'll do it again. 3-1, Uh, three one Leafs lead the Montreal Canadiens. It's over. Oh, no, it's over.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no doubt about it, Bob. I mean, game five back in Toronto. Uh, you, you know, the, what, what you saw in game four was the Maple Leafs' depth. You know, Alex Kerfoot was very good, uh, Galchenyuk was excellent. Uh, the two old fogies, Thornton and Spezza, contributed. Yep uh, Austin Matthews has become a 200 foot player. You know, he's, it, it, it's a, it's a really good hockey club.
0: Uh, we will uh, find out soon enough um, uh, who will face the Winnipeg Jets and will it be the Toronto Maple Leafs? We, that we'll know that, um, we assume shortly. Uh, we remind you, if uh, you miss an episode of this uh, program, you can uh, catch it uh, by going to, uh, you can uh, watch, listen to all. Of the Gretzky
1: our- podcast was really good. It was only
0: two weeks ago. That's it for us. See ya. Bye-bye.